and a very warm welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. This is episode 41, From Experience to Belonging, with ServiceNow's Sally Sorburn. So, welcome back. It's only been a few weeks since the last episode. We just wrapped up the starting up theme, which was all about entrepreneurship and health and well-being. And this is the one that got away, let's see. So this is rounding off the Q1 theme of thriving business. And we already had some fascinating cases with Arla Foods and L'Oreal, which you can find in the podcast. Uh, and this is one that we had planned and we couldn't quite get there at the time, but I'm so glad that we had this uh, and we can now broadcast it. It's a fascinating conversation with Sally, who's the VP of Global Talent for ServiceNow EMEA. And I'm just so encouraged by this, right? You know, in the last episode, it's a nice, it's a nice contrast, actually, from the conversation that we had with Vlad, with the intention that Vlad and his team have uh, with Key and Health. And here we're talking to a corporate, but also with what I think is authentic intention around health and well-being and also how, you know, a large company can continue to grow and thrive and, and grow rapidly within that space, right? Uh, but still hold health and well-being as one of those core levers for enabling that growth, right? So it really goes to what we're looking for in this podcast was about elevating well-being as a strategic concern. So as a case, it's just very encouraging, as I say also in the summary uh, and the wrap-up with, with Sally and Amy in interview, it's just very heartening to hear cases like this. And I think a lot of that authenticity, let's say, it comes from the fact it you know, ServiceNow, uh, you know, they're a digital workflow company and they're tying their health and well-being approach to what they do as a business. So this is why in the title it's From Experience to Belonging. So a lot of what they look at, you know, through digital workflows is experience of their customers and they're slightly changing their focus for health and well-being and they're considering the experience of their employees, which of course, as we know, has changed markedly over the pandemic and we need to really look in detail at that experience and look for any pain points, pressure points, if we borrow design thinking uh, methodology, let's say, and how you actually allow people you know, to, to thrive in the longer run. But before that, you just cover the bases in terms of you know, how insecure are they feeling, uh, you know, in terms of uh, maybe financial security, worrying for their job security, a lot of things with family when they're working from home, all of these new things and new pressures that really came to the fore in the past 12, 18 months. We talk about that with Sally. And then we get to what I call often the higher gifts uh, of well-being. We look at purpose and we look at belonging and, and, and how you actually use belonging as a lever to action, put into action a lot of the things around uh, inclusion and diversity and trust and all these different things. We look at leadership, the role of leadership, uh, and Bill McDermott, obviously, who, who was previously SAP, and we've covered SAP previously in the podcast as well. Uh, and also linking with the whole theme of leading through crisis that we've covered a couple of times in the podcast in the last year with Corn Ferry, with Hilton Hotels. So all in all, uh, a really fascinating discussion, a really interesting case. And, uh, and that's it, you know, before we head into summer, uh, what day is it? It's Barcelona. It's 24th of June. It was a noisy night last night. Um, it was the San Juan celebration with lots of fireworks here. Didn't get much sleep. Uh, and it is basically heralding the start of summer. So wherever you are, uh, maybe, hey, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then it's not, of course. But if you are 
with me in Europe or Northern Hemisphere, then a very uh, best wishes for the summer ahead. We'll be back at some point in Q3. I've still to decide. I have some ideas, but I've still to decide on the theme for Q3. If it's anything like last year and I actually have a really good summer, then it might be the last few days of September, but then it still works, right? Anyway, wishing you the very best. Many thanks for joining us again. I hope you enjoy this episode with Sally. Um, this is episode 41, From Experience to Belonging with ServiceNow's Sally Sorbron. As ever, keep well, keep safe. Very best wishes for the summer, and I'll see you again. Bye for now. Ciao. Hi, Sally. A very warm welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. How is your day so far? Are you working from home or are you in the office? Hello there, Stephen. Well, actually, today I'm working in the office. Uh, it's super to be here. I really am enjoying connecting again with colleagues and just speaking to employees that I've never ever met before uh, for the very first time. So it's also a bit of a heat wave here in the UK. So I'm also taking advantage of the air conditioning that we have in the office. Yeah, glad to hear. I mean, we've missed all of these things, right? These um, kind of accidental encounters, these little chit chats at different parts of the office. I, I was also reading a fascinating article this morning in the Atlantic and it was talking about the psychological benefits of commuting. And that was always one of the things that during the initial stages of the pandemic, everyone was very happy that they didn't have to commute. What, what's your commute like? Is that an arduous experience or do you quite enjoy it? Well, I would say I'm very spoilt uh, working here at ServiceNow as my commute is actually only five minutes. Wow. Uh, what, what I'm allowed to do is also drop my two youngest children off at school on the way. Uh, so I, I feel I'm quite privileged. And I would say um, it was one of the reasons actually I decided to work for, for this company simply because of its location to my home. Historically, I've had horrendous commutes up to about sort of two and a half, three hours a day, which was quite impactful as a young mother, because you're always worried about getting home for the school pickup or let's say nursery pickup. So there was a lot of stress uh, involved, certainly in, in that commute when it was at uh, extensive periods. So fully understand and appreciate how some of your listeners would have actually sort of felt very comfortable with the fact that their commutes were reduced as we all worked remotely for this period of time. Yeah, wonderful to hear on your current um, experience. And, and you're right, I mean, a lot of this ties so closely to what we're going to talk about today and, and how our own health and well-being is impacted so much on a daily basis, right, in terms of how long does it take you to, to get to work. I mean, I guess you know, that's a lot of that daily employee experience that I'm keen to to talk to you about soon. Let's get started with um, just kind of resurfacing the theme here, because this is the thriving business theme. And so earlier this year, I talked to um, uh, Ronnie and Klaus, and they were in the, the food FMCG sector, that was Arla Foods, and also L'Oreal was the beauty sector. So for you in service now, uh, in terms of, you know, this is a digital workflow company. I, you know, I'm sure you've experienced challenges like us all the past 12, 18 months. C can you just paint a general picture of what it's been like for you on an organisational level and, and even personally for you in a leadership position? What's that been like? Yeah, so I would say ServiceNow takes wellbeing extremely seriously. Uh, we're always looking at ways to maximise our employee experience 
And this means making improvements wherever possible uh, and spreading a, the word as to why well-being is so important. And I think certainly if I look back on the last 18 months, the experience that we were able to give our employees as we switched to fully digital, so fully remote, um, has really enabled employees' experience to, to focus on the important things in their work. So really, we've been thinking about making sure that they consumerize their experience whilst working here in our organization. So as an example, um, employees are often wanting to have the same experience in their personal life as they do in their work life. And so that's where I think digitizing uh, workflows is critical because that really makes sort of simple tasks simple. So the basic work that they're doing, and then we focus on driving moments to be special for those employees. So I think that's just one sort of quick example um, that's really helped us sort of pivot into, into the last 18 months of, of, of working life. What about your own experience, Sally, if I can ask that? How has that changed over the past year, year and a half? Yeah, so I would say as a leader in this organisation, I really have felt responsible for, um, for the well-being of our employees. And certainly when we started in the initial stages of the pandemic, uh, we're a global company, so US um, headquartered. If you can imagine, obviously, as the pandemic grew, APJ and EMEA were kind of first to be hit. And so it was hard uh, in a region such as Europe to really then drive the momentum to think about how do we tackle this? What do we actually do? Um, and so there was a lot of pressure on certainly the HR function, uh, certainly myself, to make sure that we were doing the best that we could uh, with basic track and trace, just even using for our employees. Um, we then focus very much on sort of communications by sort of over communicating, holding sort of frequent all hands, posting information out to our employees using our employee communication platform. Um, and, and so really just sort of starting that critical stage of the pandemic, um, ensuring that everybody was safe and they understood how they could work and uh, what was expected of them. I then think I was personally really focused um, on driving engagement. Um, we really hold um, our culture and our values high in regard in this organization. So it's thinking, oh my goodness, what can we do around engagement, uh, virtual social and wellness events? Um, sort of how do we pivot to digital trainings uh, and drive all these supports for employees um, across the board? So yeah, it was really hard to continue to to drive that family sense of responsibility that I hold dear um, to our employees. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. I mean, it's I'm sensing there it's, it's, it's about a lot of inclusion. It's, you know, that communication part is letting people know that, you know, everyone is maybe distributed and separated, but they're not alone. They're not isolated. You're still trying to keep that strong kind of cohesive level of teamwork or culture, let's say, alive at, at distance. And, you know, as you say, with some of the social aspects, you know, it allows you to look at how the experience has changed and, and it changed for us all, of course, um, when we are at home, but we're still continuing with, with our work lives. And I guess it allows you to identify maybe different elements or, you know, distinct parts of well-being. 
so I know that, for example, you looked at financial well-being in the past several months, so that's been something that you've looked at in ServiceNow. Can you tell us a little bit about that and any other areas, dif different areas of well-being that you've looked at within that overall experience? Yeah, of course. So um, obviously we love what we do for our clients and it's clear to see sort of the positive impact our technology is actually having. Uh, and we've been able to tailor some of those initiatives. Um, as I touched on sort of in that critical first phase of the pandemic, uh, we then actually sort of looked at what we were doing as an organization and how we were reaching out to our employees. And that enabled working with our product teams and engineers um, to, to release for emergency apps, as we called them. And these were there really to keep people safe, happy and sort of um, well at work. And then we introduced our safe place workplace suite, uh, which was followed about three months, I would say afterwards, where we started to see a safe return to some offices wherever it was possible. And then of course, we've also been very much focused on vaccine management. So really to get populations around the world vaccinated and back to some sense of normal life. Yeah, I would say that um, the same has gone for financial well-being as you touched on there. We actually did as a company um, a no layoff pledge, and that was a commitment to protect jobs and salaries across our 11,000 plus employees for the whole of 2020. So we were very proud of that commitment. And some of that was obviously enabled through um, those various technology enablers that I, that I just talked through. Uh, we also then looked at providing a stipend for every employee to spend sort of on working from home essentials. Because obviously, if you imagine you're turning that switch on for people to suddenly go and work from home, they needed to have the right office set off. We were thinking about, obviously, um, some of the well-being, sort of the health and safety aspects of then permanently working from home during this period. Um, and at the same time, we also offered a perk allowance. So this really then helped employees to invest in perks childcare forms, sort of sporting equipment as well. We saw some great stories from employees around how they spent their perk allowance there. Nutrition support as well. And homeschooling resources were some of the stories that we heard from employees around this. Um, I would say that there's still a lot of learning that we've done through some of this, um, this financial wellbeing learning. And I would say that we're gathering feedback from our employees continuously so that we can pivot and really think how we drive then this in the new era of working, really the future of work as it stands today. It's great to hear. What I'm picking up is um, it, it's as if you're using the kind of same lens for a lot of the, the work that you'll be doing for your customers, right? So you're, obviously you look at customer experience, you know what you do well and how you can empower the work of customers, but even when you're talking about like emergency app development, right, and actually looking in depth at the experience, how you can facilitate work, make it easy for employees, in, in many ways it's the same logic. And I think that's what perhaps gives some real power and authenticity to the efforts that you're putting into health and well-being, because this is the your core competence as a company, right? You know, it's the, it's the work that you do and you do it well for your customers and you're just slightly kind of changing the kind of focus or application and you're applying that very same logic to your employees as well. I mean, you, you're working you work in talent, of course, but, you know, is, the, is that a conscious choice from the organisation? Have you thought about that before? 
Yeah, so I would say that the magic here, and this comes back to our culture and our values, and really aligns our service now as a purpose-led organization. So we really do believe in living our purpose. Um, and just for just to reiterate, our purpose is uh, we make the world of work work better for people. Um, and obviously that's not just for our customers, but it's also for our employees. And we continuously speak to our employees. We, we listen to their feedback through engagement surveys. Um, and this is really how we feel that we can thrive as an organization and obviously be mobile in the way in which we solve, let's say, for, for the for challenges that are out there, because those challenges are going to be relevant for our customers, not just for our own employees. And interestingly enough, in a recent uh, engagement survey that we just um, conducted a couple of months ago, 94 of our employees believe that our organization actively promotes mental and physical health. So that's great to see um, what we're living is really happening. Um, we also have 95% of our employees say they're given the resources and equipment to actually do their, their job. So that is uh, fantastic um, here as well. And as you talk to, we, we, we really focus our employees with reflection on customer zero. And this means that we ensure that our technology benefits our people, um, as well as us being able to deliver great services um, to our customers every day. Um, and an example of the consumerizing again of this employee experience is really what we did in the, in the pandemic, where we kind of pivoted, as I said, to digital working. And ServiceNow as a growth organization means that hiring is a critical, critical process for our company, um, not just for us growth um, as a, a growth from the bottom line perspective, but also how we then um, serve our customers. So therefore onboarding is critical when we onboard new employees and we actually use a single platform that's delivered via mobile, which provides new starters with access to um, all the necessary new starter forms, the ability to choose their tech that they want to use for working, um, the learning journeys that they need to complete, um, their login started, and they also get to meet and greet their manager and, and, and employees um, or, that they will work with. And all this happens actually before day one of them joining the company. And so this whole experience was, was critical for us and it was enabled by using um, our own technologies. And so now 28% of um, our EMEA population have actually been hired through this experience, which is an amazing, amazing effort. Um, and actually 95% would recommend this experience um, externally uh, yeah. to everyone else. So fascinating, um, fascinating journey to share there. And as you say, that is absolutely critical, right? Because you, as you said, you know, you're in the office today and you're meeting people for the first time and that will continue, I guess, for a while, right? And this, these could be employees who have been working for a year or more now within service now, but it's the first time that you're meeting them face to face. But with such a positive onboarding experience, then you would hope then that, you know, the, the, the basis is there of, you know, belonging, let's say. This is something else that I want to talk about uh, in, in just a short moment. And then you're going to reinforce that when you actually meet face to face and strengthen those relationships. But going back a, a moment to 
to purpose that you mentioned, and that was fantastic to hear because that was also the next kind of uh, set of questions because we can look at well-being in terms of the operations, which is absolutely necessary and how you implement. But I've been very interested in the last couple of months in our own work here in Barcelona about let's what I, what I like to call the higher gifts, let's say, of well-being. I've been looking a lot at human flourishing, some of the literature on that, and, and even some you know ancient philosophy on, on what is a good life and you know, how, how do you bring this into an integrated working life? And, and purpose is a huge part of that. So it's great to hear that, because purpose is, is the guiding star, let's say, right? I mean, we can put, you know, a, a myriad uh, different initiatives in, into play for, for well-being. But I think there always has to be that, let's say, that, that guiding star. And purpose, as you described it for service now, is something that's going to that's gonna help with that. The other one is belonging, right? So a very hot topic right now and I understand also for you in service now that's been a big area of focus in the past several months can you tell us a little bit more about that please yes absolutely so actually for a number of years we've put belonging sort of at the heart of our culture and I would say similarly as well to the purpose that you just touched on and I actually before I delve into belonging I just want to touch on one thing because you've just triggered me there in our new hire orientation I actually spend time for 10, 15 minutes talking to our new hires every month around our culture, the ServiceNow culture, because I think it's our secret source. It's the way in which we're so successful as an organization driving engagement when we hire, retain and develop um, our talent that is critical for our growth. And I talk to our culture being made up of um, DNA strands and um, you've just touched on one of them, which is purpose, obviously being a purpose-led organization, driving um, the alignment of personal purpose with work purpose, and obviously the dis dis discretionary effort that then that creates. Um, but then also belonging, and belonging is another one of those elements of the, the DNA strand of culture, as I call it. And ultimately, um, we see belonging as part of our diversity and inclusion strategy. And this has been something that we've been certainly focused on, as I said, for a number of years now. And so if we create a sense of belonging, and I'm referring to the seen and the unseen, this actually then drives inclusion, where everyone feels they can belong and be their authentic self, which ultimately in turn drives a more natural sense of diversity, whatever their background, career path, identity, culture, etc., so all of this actually makes a huge difference because you can only perform at your best if you're allowed to be your authentic self and if you feel like you belong to something bigger. And so there again is that connection back to, to purpose that you just alluded to. So certainly um, we see our diversity strategy uh, really made up of the strength of creating a culture where everyone belongs. And ultimately the pandemic has, has really sort of helped us with this strong sense of this culture um, we've had to deal with obviously homeschooling disruptive pets uh, poor internet connection being on our own um, much more besides all of this and we've had days where we've all struggled but by really fostering this sense of belonging from the top down we've been able to create this sort of positive working environment which softens this harsh challenge that we've had um, surrounding us and and again some of this stems from the grassroots-led initiatives that we've had, uh, which drives a sense of belonging, 
And examples are we have different culture champion teams um, that are located in each of our geo markets of, of businesses. And those teams drive local initiatives that really are impactful for the local organization. And they kind of come together and they choose what they want to surface as an organization by using the engagement survey data that we, we actually provide them. So this is really um, a wonderful sort of grassroots-led initiative. And this also drives other areas of belonging around giving back in local communities. So that's something that our employees have really missed doing face-to-face. So there's been wonderful campaigns around how people have been giving um, across our organizations on a, on a virtual basis. Um, we've also had amazing talks. Uh, we've had shed talks where employees have sort of raised their hand and, and spoken about um, their feelings and what they've been doing. And also we've seen uh, fantastic, let's say fun elements sort of focusing on sort of those quizzes, those virtual experiences of how people have even been trying to network and um, embrace, let's say, new colleagues as they've been joining virtually across the organization. So some really inspiring and thought-provoking moments that matter that have been created for our population. Fascinating to hear. What I like about belonging is that it it makes it very pragmatic. It makes it very accessible. You know, diversity, you know, we could get tied up in quotas and policy and, you know, ticking boxes perhaps, you know, and, and if you take it to the level of belonging, then it, it actually is the kind of acid test for it, right? Is, is the policy of DNI is it working? Is it, is it pragmatic? Is it going to sustain us in the longer term? And, and it's fascinating to hear some of those cases. If, if we can turn our attention now to the role of leadership, I, I'm interested in this. I always like to make links between different episodes on the podcast. Um, and, and there's two here I, I think I can uh, reference. We talked to the Managing Director of Hilton Hotels UK uh, in Q3 of last year on the topic of leading through crisis. Uh, and one of the very first uh, case studies that we had in this podcast was with SAP, who, of course, had uh, their CEO as Bill McDermott for a number of years. So bringing those two together, um, you know, Bill McDermott being a relatively new CEO in, in service now, I think maybe a couple of years now, but certainly before the pandemic. Can you let us know what, what were some of his areas of focus um, as you had to navigate through this this very tough time? Yeah, certainly. I think... Um, He was very focused on uh, the no layoff pledge. Uh, He really wanted to give employees immediate comfort and security. Um, And I think that was brilliant in the sense of um, having that sort of certainty around, obviously, your financial well-being. I, I, I felt this also enabled our employees to sort of innovate and execute particularly as we talked around the um, the applications that, that I shared, I really do felt that that was an accelerator for us. I would also say there's been a huge focus on um, flexibility and ensuring that transition to enable a safe and productive uh, way of working. Uh, we have also seen um, a couple of areas on well-being, uh, which I'll touch on in a moment. But the further leadership area that I want to drill down on is actually uh, sort of educating and enabling our leaders, because in this new era of working, we do need to work differently. And what I love is the attention and focus that we've been doing, certainly in our executive leadership development, on really challenging our leaders to develop 
a way in which they lead with compassion and not empathy. And the difference there is empathy means that you feel for the person, so you're feeling for your employee, whereas when you're leading with compassion, you're leading with empathy, plus you're actually driving action. And the reason why that's a critical point, let's say, that connects with well-being is we've certainly seen um, over the last sort of 18 months um, challenges for our employees uh, in how they're trying to work, um, let's say, establish work-life balance. And actually, it's a corrective term because it's no longer work-life balance. It's more a work-life blend. And that's certainly something that Bill's been talking about. We work from anywhere. Uh, we really need to think about how we do a better job of integrating work and life. And that's simply because if you think about turning up to an office, you would have your set hours maybe of your working. If you think about the new digital age in which we're now working in, it's literally a blend of the work and life. And we haven't necessarily enabled our employees or our managers and our leaders to think about how do you actually then set the boundaries in which you're working on this um, together. And so that's something that I think is important where you lead with compassion, then the leaders and the managers are leading with empathy, but they're driving action. So they're actually challenging their employees to think about how they're working, to think about um, sustainably working in, in this new sort of uh, working from anywhere and always being on environment. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, we're learning all this together, right? I mean, leaders, as you say, you know, leaders need skills and actually how to lead at a distance and, and, and still inspire and still be effective as as if they were in the office. Um, I love the, the initiatives that you talked about there with Bill. In many ways, it's taking away a lot of the basic worries that many of us would have it's providing that that safety net right so that you can then focus on doing a good job right if we go back to even kind of maslow's hierarchy and and what are the basic needs that you have if you're worried for your financial security you, you know you're not going to be able to focus on being creative and doing a good job so even that psychological safety on a basic level you know and it's easy to look back in hindsight and say of course we need to do these things but in the midst of huge pressure and financial pressure for large companies, right? I mean, many did go down the route of, of course, slimming down the workforce. So, you know, looking back, you know, that, that that's very insightful and, and, and it's great to hear these examples. And I think, you know, I love those observations on the difference between compassion and empathy. I mean, the other thing as well, as you say, as you allude to in terms of that sustainability of, of action, is that if leaders are overly empathetic and, and they kind of divorce it from action that you say comes through compassion is that leaders can burn themselves out as well, right? So, you know, research shows that when you're also highly empathetic, you feel the pain of others. And if you're a leader, and even coming back to your own example, right, you're spending 15 minutes talking to individual new hires. And if you're checking in individually, which is another part of the leader's toolkit at a distance, then that's hard, right? You, you know, you're having to do a lot of these one-to-ones if you're then also putting high degrees of empathy in the mix, then then leaders themselves are at real danger of burnout. So I think this is a really insightful set of considerations that any organisation needs now to move forward in this new way of working, right? Yeah, agreed. And, and so I do, 
I've been speaking a lot here um, internally with our leaders around bad habits. And so you can imagine, obviously, with the way in which we all shifted to work beautifully, I would say, remotely and digitally, but at the same time, bad habits were being created from a manager, leader, as well as an employee perspective. Because if the lockdowns we experienced, if you think about the very the most unusual experiences I think people have ever had in their lives, there was nothing else for anyone to do apart from maybe work. Work is your true constant, wasn't it? It was kind of always there. And so it also made you feel connected to others. And so I think this is kind of where the, the bad habits of always working, of always being on, feeling then the pressure now to respond when somebody messages you or somebody drops an email or wants to have a Zoom call later in the evening. I think that kind of, there was nothing else socially for employees to maybe be doing. And so when there's no sports clubs, when there's um, no restaurants or no other activities going on, work was like our one true north. It was kind of like our one connection, let's say, to something that we were always used to historically in our lives. So certainly I, I do believe that there is a lot of work that we need to do about removing those bad habits and actually thinking about how we sustainably work in the new era of work, for sure. No, that's very insightful, Sally. You know, th- those that work on habits, you know, we work a lot here in Barcelona on habits, um, and, and it's been a large focus of my work for several years now. Not only how we, we break bad habits, as you're mentioning, you know, some of these bad habits are coming up during the pandemic, but how also we, we drive sustainable behaviour change. Because we can often change in the short term, but locking that in in the long term isn't an easy thing. Um, and I also remember, uh, mostly for the illustration, and it was an article in The Economist, I love some of these illustrations on The Economist, and I actually talked about habits and it gave the illustration of a hamster wheel. And that's one of the benefits that we've had in the pandemic, right? That it's actually forced us off the hamster wheel of our previous existence. And we may have thought that we were operating at an optimum you know, capacity, we were doing the right things every day, but maybe in hindsight, you know, maybe we weren't. So that introspection, that forcing us off the hamster wheel of our pre-pandemic lives, I, I think has been one of the opportunities of, of the pandemic. And just the final point on that, that article also talked about the time that it takes habits to form. So we've been in this, you know, pandemic phase. We're not quite in that kind of next normal or new normal yet, I don't think. We're in this abnormal phase. You know, behaviours are still being shaped. So I think that's a very insightful thing that you're doing if you're conscious early of bad habits that are you know, taking hold with some of the leadership and employees at large and also try to instill new positive behaviours in terms of you know, leadership skills, how you do that thing at distance, then that is, again, you know, the things that are going to drive that health and well-being focus uh, further into the future. Um, the final question, and maybe you can also give me some of your reflections on that on that last piece on, on habits, is how you deal with growth. Because I know that service now is growing very fast, uh, you know, digital companies in general. You know, how do you not be a victim of your own success? How do you ensure that all these great things of belonging and purpose and your 15-minute one-to-ones aren't coming under pressure? when you're growing as a result of doing all these good things. So any final reflections on this, please? Yeah, so the past 18 months has certainly taught us a lot uh, as our work routines have been disrupted. And that um, aligns with the, 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 the hamster wheel example just gave. Um, and I've talked to peers across the industry 
um, as well as around the world. And we kind of all agree work will never be the same. And from an employee safety to facilities, workplace services to business continuity, work has kind of changed forever. And I think there's still a lot of areas that we're exploring, and I'll give a couple of examples. But ultimately, uh, as a company, if we think about growth, that doesn't change. We're still focused on a simple formula of hiring talented people, enabling them to thrive with the right technology, give them a job they can be proud of and offer them the support that they need to bring their authentic self to work. And if we get that right, I think we will continue to to grow as an organization. But I think it's coming back to the culture, the backdrop around all of that that's going to sustain that growth. And so I think there's there's a couple of processes and elements that we need to still work through. The first is the mental return to the office. So really helping our employees prepare for changes as we continue to emerge from the pandemic restrictions. Also then looking at really what's the new normal for us, which will be a continuation of our hybrid working approach. And really, if we think about that, choices potentially, the new work perk that we can also offer. So that's a competitive advantage for our employees. It's also no longer, as we've said, the work from home, but work from anywhere. And as a company, the advantage here for us on that is it opens the door to opportunities for more collaboration, technological innovation, and new talent pipelines. It's certainly talent pool will be much, much wider as we look across geographies and we look across diverse communities as well. And then the last but not least other area for me is ultimately the purpose of the office. So that will change from the traditional experience that we're used to. We will need to think about how we drive engagement experiences for when our employees come to to the office. So really, what is that, the new era of the workplace? How have we reimagined it? How have we then made it purposeful so that our employees can continue to have engaging experiences be able to innovate together and really keep that sort of special secret source of our culture alive, uh, driving discretionary effort and engagement, which ultimately drives growth and impacts our our bottom line. So that, I think, is uh, some work that we still need to do um, around all of these elements and not, of course, forgetting the whole sort of integration of digital with regards to digital well-being, digital presenteeism and digital productivity uh, are really the last points that I will I will leave you on there. Fantastic. You know, it's just it's so heartening to to hear. Um, you know, we we want to be successful in business, of course, right? You know, and I've always thought this over the years that health and well-being, certain organisations, certain individuals, they see it as a compromise on performance. It's about doing less, but we, we you know we want to succeed. We want to develop. We want to push the boundaries, right? Uh, it's such an important part of life and, and striving for that excellence. But also, you know, we can't be separated. We can't squeeze people. We need to really integrate and, and hold close these elements, all of these things that we've talked about in this conversation of health and well-being, of that positive way of working. And, and, and it's, it's simply so heartening just to hear a vision and, and of course, things that are already in play with you uh, of combining these two areas. So wishing you the very best moving into the future and a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your time. Lovely to chat. Take care.